Good morning, Alex and friends. Today is Thursday, June 15th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Today in Riverside, California, we can expect a high of 79.2 degrees and a low of 60.7. Now, let's take a look at the stories we'll be covering in today's episode of Alex's News. First up, the Colorado shooting suspect is expected to strike a plea deal for a life sentence. This decision has drawn controversy over the suspect's level of remorse and whether hate crime charges should be included. Next, a cancer drug shortage is sparking concerns of a public health emergency. Doctors and patients are facing challenges as they navigate the limited availability of vital medications. In international news, we'll be discussing the Biden administration's secret negotiations with Iran. These talks aim to limit Iran's nuclear program and potentially secure the release of imprisoned Americans. And finally, Live Nation Entertainment, along with other ticketing giants, has committed to upfront fees. This comes in response to President Biden's push for transparency in the ticketing industry. Stay tuned for these stories and more coming up on Alex's News. Our top story today takes us to Colorado Springs, where Anderson Lee Aldrich, the suspect in the mass shooting at a gay nightclub, is expected to strike a plea deal on state murder and hate charges. Joining us now to discuss this further is our reporter, Antoni. Antoni, can you give us an overview of the current situation? Absolutely, Connie. Anderson Lee Aldrich, after being accused of a mass shooting at a gay nightclub, is expected to reach a plea deal. If the agreement is finalized, Aldrich will receive a life sentence for his attack that tragically claimed the lives of five people and injured 17 others. This decision comes after jailhouse phone calls made by Aldrich expressing remorse. It's worth mentioning that victims and survivors have been made aware of the potential plea deal and have been requested to prepare victim impact statements. Thank you for that summary, Antony. Now let's delve into some of the key elements mentioned in this story. The suspect's remorseful phone calls seem to have played a significant role in the decision to pursue a plea deal. Can you provide us with more details on that? Certainly, Connie. As you mentioned, the jailhouse phone calls made by Aldrich, expressing remorse, were a crucial factor in the consideration of a plea deal. These calls serve as evidence of Aldrich's consciousness of guilt and his acknowledgement of the harm caused by his actions. It's important to note that some survivors have criticized Aldrich's remorse, viewing it as a calculated move to avoid the federal death penalty. Defense attorneys, however, do not dispute Aldrich's role in the shooting but argue against labeling it a hate crime. They cite the suspect's alleged drug use during the incident as a contributing factor. That's a significant point, Antony. The defense's argument against labeling this incident a hate crime brings up the issue of motive. Can you please elaborate on the motivation behind the attack and how it relates to potential federal hate crime charges? Certainly, Connie. Prosecutors strongly believe that the attack was motivated by hatred. There is evidence supporting this claim, including Aldrich's visits to the nightclub itself, his involvement in a neo-Nazi white supremacist website, and expressions of animosity towards police, LGBTQ individuals, and minorities. These factors, coupled with the nature of the targeted location, raised suspicions that the attack was indeed a hate crime. 
However, whether federal hate crime charges will be filed against Aldrich is still uncertain. This plea deal on state charges doesn't necessarily mean the federal investigation will halt. Federal authorities may still pursue their own charges against the suspect. Thank you for clarifying that, Antony. Now shifting the focus slightly, I understand there have been other charges against Aldrich as well. Can you tell us more about those and how they may impact the plea deal? Absolutely, Connie. Aldrich is also facing separate charges for a kidnapping incident, although the case was dismissed due to a lack of cooperation from family members. While those specific charges won't directly influence the plea deal we're discussing, they do provide additional context about Aldrich's involvement in criminal activities. It's relevant to mention them to demonstrate the suspect's background. Thank you for providing those additional details, Antony. Finally, considering all the factors we've discussed, what are the implications of this plea deal on the ongoing FBI investigation and potential federal hate crime charges? That's a great question, Connie. With the plea deal on state charges, it's unclear how this will impact the FBI investigation into the incident or the potential federal hate crime charges. The federal authorities have their own separate jurisdiction and evidence to consider, which may still lead to a federal prosecution. Federal agencies will likely review the available evidence, Aldrich's actions, and the circumstances surrounding the attack to determine if additional charges should be filed. We'll have to wait and see how it unfolds. Thank you, Antony, for your comprehensive analysis and bringing us the latest information on this developing story. We appreciate your insights today. Thank you, Connie. It was my pleasure to provide these details. Welcome back. Our next story focuses on a critical issue in the healthcare sector. The shortage of cancer drugs, carboplatin and cisplatin, has become a cause for concern, with some describing it as a public health emergency. Joining us now to discuss this is our very own healthcare reporter, Ellie. Ellie, what can you tell us about the current situation with these cancer drugs? Thank you, Connie. The shortage of carboplatin and cisplatin is indeed causing significant challenges for both doctors and patients. These drugs are crucial for the treatment of various types of cancer, and their limited availability has forced healthcare professionals to ration medication. To make matters worse, this isn't just a localized problem. In fact, there's currently a shortage of approximately 130 generic drugs worldwide. That's really alarming. Can you explain why this shortage is occurring? Absolutely, Connie. The shortage is largely attributed to a faulty business model within the generic drug industry. Manufacturers are facing increasing pressure to produce these drugs at lower prices, which has led to factory shutdowns and compromised quality control measures. As a result, corners are being cut in both production and distribution processes. Considering the significance of these drugs for cancer treatment, the consequences of this shortage are particularly dire. It sounds like a complex issue. Are there any short-term measures being taken to address the situation? Yes, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, is implementing some short-term measures. One approach they are taking is allowing the importation of unapproved cisplatin from China to alleviate the situation. While this may provide temporary relief, experts estimate that it will take until the end of the year for the supply to begin easing. Ultimately, this highlights the need for long-term changes in the generic drug production business model. I can only imagine the difficult decisions that doctors and healthcare professionals are facing. How are they coping with this shortage? 
It's definitely a challenging situation for them, Connie. With limited availability of these cancer drugs, doctors are being forced to make tough choices. Some have resorted to substituting with drugs that may have more severe side effects, while others must continue treatment without the necessary medications. These compromises have serious implications for patient care and outcomes. That's really disheartening. Is there any hope on the horizon for a solution to this crisis? Absolutely, Connie. One potential solution is being offered by a nonprofit organization called Civica. They purchase medicines directly from manufacturers, conduct their own quality control, and fix drug prices to support sustainable production. In fact, Civica is even in the process of building its own manufacturing facility. However, it will take some time before the supply of cancer drugs improves. It's good to hear that efforts are being made. Are there any other initiatives or actions being taken to address this shortage in the long term? Definitely, Connie. The federal government and lawmakers are actively exploring various options to tackle this issue in the long run. Some of these options include increasing inspections and implementing better oversight of pharmaceutical supply chains. In fact, a bipartisan group of House lawmakers has recently sent a letter to the FDA commissioner and the HHS secretary urging improvements to prevent future shortages. It's crucial to address the underlying factors contributing to the shortage to ensure a steady and reliable supply of quality drugs. Thank you for shedding light on this important issue, Ellie. We appreciate your insight. Thank you, Connie. It was my pleasure to discuss this critical matter with you. After the break, we'll have more news, so stay tuned. Thanks again, Ellie. Welcome back to our morning newscast. Our next story takes us to the ongoing negotiations between the Biden administration and Iran. For more details on this crucial development, we have our reporter Arnold joining us. Arnold, could you shed some light on what's happening in these secret negotiations? Absolutely, Connie. The Biden administration is currently engaged in confidential talks with Iran, aiming to both limit Iran's nuclear program and secure the release of imprisoned Americans. Essentially, they are trying to reach an informal agreement, or what some are calling a political ceasefire, in order to prevent further escalation between the two nations. Interesting. Could you provide us with more information about the key elements or incidents that are being discussed in these negotiations? Of course, Connie. In these negotiations, there are specific actions that both the United States and Iran are expected to take. Iran would agree to halt its uranium enrichment beyond its current level, which is a significant step considering their recent increase in enrichment activities that have raised concerns around the world. On the other hand, the United States would agree to refrain from tightening sanctions on Iran and from seeking new punitive resolutions against them. I see. So, how did these negotiations come about, Arnold? And what is their significance? especially considering the collapse of the 2015 nuclear deal. That's an important point, Connie. These negotiations are a resumption of diplomacy after the collapse of the 2015 nuclear deal, formerly known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA. The JCPOA was an agreement between Iran and several world powers, including the United States, aimed at curtailing Iran's nuclear program in exchange for sanctions relief. However, with the withdrawal of the United States from the deal in 2018, tensions have been on the rise between the two countries. Right. It's crucial to consider the expectations of both sides in these negotiations. What can you tell us about that, Arnold? 
Absolutely, Connie. Both Iran and the United States have their own set of expectations going into these negotiations. Iran hopes to see the release of their frozen assets, which have been impacted by international sanctions. Additionally, Iran is looking for the unfreezing of oil purchase payments, as its oil exports have faced significant restrictions. On the other hand, the United States is seeking to secure the release of American citizens currently imprisoned in Iran. Thank you for that, Arnold. It seems like the goal here is to avert a potential nuclear crisis and reduce tensions between the two countries. Are there any other factors or peculiarities that people should be aware of? Yes, Connie. Another important factor is the growing concern over Iran's increasing uranium enrichment activities. Iran's enrichment program has raised alarms worldwide as it brings them closer to the capability of producing nuclear weapons. Therefore, these negotiations serve as an opportunity to address this concern and establish a framework for cooperation moving forward. Thank you, Arnold, for that thorough analysis. It's clear that these negotiations hold significant importance for both the United States and Iran. We appreciate your insights. Thank you, Connie. It was my pleasure to provide more details on this topic. Connie thanks the reporter and transitions to the next news story. Welcome back, viewers. In our ongoing effort to bring you the latest news, let's now turn our focus to an industry that has been at the center of a transparency debate. Live Nation Entertainment, which includes Ticketmaster, has made a big announcement in response to President Joe Biden's call for more clear and upfront pricing. Here to give us all the details is our news reporter, Jenna. Jenna, what can you tell us? Thank you, Connie. Live Nation Entertainment has committed to implementing all-in, upfront pricing on its websites starting in September. This decision comes as a response to President Biden's push for transparency in consumer pricing. The company aims to address the issue of hidden fees and provide customers with a clearer understanding of what they'll be paying. That's great news, Jenna. It seems like this commitment could have significant implications for the ticketing and venue industry. Are other companies expected to follow suit? Absolutely, Connie. Live Nation Entertainment isn't alone in making this move towards transparent pricing. Other key players, such as SeatGeek and XBK, are also expected to adopt this practice. These voluntary actions are seen as significant steps in promoting transparency and addressing hidden fees within the industry. The White House has been actively involved in addressing concerns around hidden fees, can you tell us more about their response? Definitely, Connie. The White House has been vocal about holding companies accountable for hidden fees and promoting consumer rights. They're encouraging these initiatives by recognizing the efforts of ticketing and travel companies in eliminating surprise fees. The administration has also taken administrative actions, such as increased supervision by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and proposed regulations by the Federal Trade Commission, the Department of Transportation, and the Federal Communications Commission. This issue raises some previous controversies with Ticketmaster, doesn't it? Yes, Connie. While Live Nation Entertainment's commitment to transparent pricing is commendable, it's worth noting that Ticketmaster, which is part of the Live Nation Entertainment Group, has faced criticism in the past for its ticket sales practices. However, the company denies engaging in any antitrust litigation-worthy activities. Thank you for providing those important details, Jenna. 
Before we wrap up, what's the president's stance on these efforts? President Biden recognizes the importance of ticketing and travel companies in eliminating hidden fees and ensuring transparent pricing. He's urging Congress to pass legislation that mandates upfront, all-in pricing and bans various types of fees. The goal is to create a fairer and more transparent purchasing experience for consumers. Well, it's good to see progress being made in this area. Thank you, Jenna, for shedding light on this story for us today. Thank you, Connie. It's always a pleasure to provide our viewers with the latest updates. Connie thanks Jenna and moves on to the next news topic. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made with ChatGPT, 11 labs, and a program written by you. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.